What's up? Welcome back to the Barton and Bud Show. Bud, how you doing? We ready to get into another mailbag today? Yeah, man, I'm ready for this. And uh, dude, more talent keeps leaving the uh, the Sunshine State. I think we're that? now projecting like seven of the top ten to, to go out of state uh, after last year where very few of them stayed in state again. This is – if you're a Florida State or Miami fan, I think you kind of get it because your team's been down. With Florida, it's got to be a weird feeling. Right, like they're recruiting well. They're in the top ten. Like they have a pretty good class. They they have some top targets left on their board, and yet Alabama and Georgia just steal their lunch money whenever they want when it comes to the really top kids. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's just sort of the next progression with Florida to me. It's you know, they're the roster's getting better. The coaching is certainly getting better. Um, there is some legitimate just roster-wide development that we're seeing. But I think if the, the next step, the, the next evolution for Florida is winning on guys like Dallas Turner, um, getting the five stars in the States, and not that they haven't gotten any. Jervin uh, Dexter last year was huge. Um, but getting the majority of them, getting a healthy chunk of them, that, that's not quite happening yet. That's still just sort of a collection of Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio State seem to be the teams that like come down and get the the share of the top prospects in the state. And um, you know, Florida needs to they need to take over some of that market share if if uh, if the playoffs are in the cards. Absolutely. So, speaking of market share, we are collecting our own market share of five star reviews on Apple Podcasts. Like you mentioned, we we're doing another mailbag episode. But we got to four hundred uh, ratings and reviews. Actually, we're almost at four thirty as of this morning. So that's pretty cool. After only doing 17 episodes, uh, that makes us uh, probably the fastest growing college football podcast out there. We, we really appreciate that. Uh, if you're listening to us on the website, go ahead and hit subscribe, either on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, you know, really whatever uh, what, whatever you use and, uh, and, and help us out that way. It gets to your phone faster, right? Some days I'm busy. I got to hold some meetings and, and some days my internet goes out while I'm holding the meetings like it did on Monday. I, I, I don't get this thing posted up until maybe one o'clock, but, but our producer, Tani, has this thing ready to go immediately. And if you got us on, on your phone, if you've already hit subscribe, you don't have to wait. Tuesday afternoons, you're, you're in the gym, you're picking up your kids in the carpool line from daycare. If you're doing the daycare thing or, or school, if school was still a thing. Like you got us, man. You, you don't have to wait on me. So Hit that subscribe button. Let's go ahead and get into this mailbag. All right. LR says, hey, y'all. Love the pod. All right, he's a Southerner. Uh, maybe it stands for Little Rock. I have a few hypotheticals I want to hear you guys discuss. If Texas A&M replaces Oregon in the Pac-12, would they win it? What about if Oregon replaces Ohio State, would they win the Big Ten? If Ohio State replaces Alabama, would they win the SEC? And finally, if Texas replaces Clemson, would they win the ACC? Thanks and keep up the good work. So this guy's probably from Texas. I think Texas. I think the. I think the last question might be the most interesting. I, um, I do too. I. We can take <laughs> so, all these though. I think yeah, we got time. I, I, no, we definitely should. So we'll start from the top. All, all right. right. First hypothetical: A and M and Oregon trade places. A and I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, A uh, and M heads of the Pac-12. Um, Oregon has the SEC. Where does AM finish in the Pac 12? Probably pretty damn close to where Oregon is. And we're talking about this, like, I, I think we should be talking about this year's projections, I would agree. right? Like, we're not yeah. just sort of re rehashing last season. So, Texas AM in, in the Pac 12. Um, so, who, who, so we're, we're basically saying is Texas AM better than Washington? Is Texas AM better than USC or whatever the, Cal, Stanford, Arizona State, dark horses that might be out there. UCLA, I don't know. Um, but I, but I think generally, in terms of expectations this year, is A&M better than Washington or USC? So I am not a person who thinks that Oregon is head and shoulders above Washington and USC this year. I, in fact, I'm, I'm kind of a Washington homer this year a little bit. I think USC has potential to be pretty damn good. I, I think Oregon is probably the best team in the Pac-12, but, but I'm not really convinced of that. I, I want to see what that offense looks like this year because it it was underwhelming last year relative to the, to the talent they had on the offensive line uh, and, and at the quarterback position. Um, so I, I do think A&M would win the Pac-12. 
Probably. Now, are we factoring in travel uh, concerns here? No, no, no. I okay. think this is just on the surface. So let me ask this then from a, like, what would the line be neutral field A&M versus USC, A&M versus Washington? I would probably say A&M, A&M two over USC and probably A&M four over Washington. Sounds fair. All right, so A&M wins the Pac-12. Congratulations on your Pac-12 championship, Texas A&M. What about if Oregon replaces Ohio State, would they win the Big Ten? I think they would finish third in the East. Behind I, Michigan and Penn State? Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think they're better than either of those teams. I think they're – okay, so Oregon didn't, didn't crest the blue-chip ratio. Um, rankings this year they're they're just under where was penn state on that do you remember they were like i think high 50s low 60s okay and they were and michigan was like high 60s mid 60s yeah okay so i guess on the surface those teams are still a tad more talented than oregon that's kind of what you're saying i i think so now you could argue if you wanted to say Oregon is pretty close to those teams. I'm I'm really not going to argue that much, especially with, with the uncertainty at Michigan this year. They they both both these teams lost quarterbacks who who started a good number of games for them, right? And obviously one ended up being a lot more talented than the other. So if you want to say like, hey, but I, I think that Oregon and Michigan would would tie for second in the Big Ten. I I could buy that. I I, I just don't think like they have to go to Penn State. Ohio State's a favorite in that game. There's no way Oregon would be favored at Penn State. Yeah. So what? So I th- I just think the I think Oregon and Penn State this year, from a profile standpoint, are similar. They're both going to rely on really strong defenses. Um, they are. You know, they're both. I mean, I, Oregon maybe Oregon has an improved wide receiver group, but they're both not a really haven't been wide receiver heavy in terms of where they they lean on offensively. Um, more run game in terms of where they find their success. Um, you know, I, I guess you probably give the edge to Penn State maybe by just a hair defensively this year, but I don't know. That defensive unit for Oregon can be pretty salty. Um, I don't know. I guess maybe I compare Oregon to – Oregon maybe almost like a, like a Wisconsin. Like put them in the West, they, they could probably win it, and, and then we'll see what happens in a one-game series on a neutral site. But – um, yeah, maybe they're not quite ready for Penn State. So if, if we want to kind of, you know, take a look at this, in far-off lands, right, not not our betting partner, but m- maybe some places out there a little more unscrupulous might take Bitcoin or something like that. Ohio State is an eight-point favorite at Oregon right now, assuming that game gets played, which, which it might not. Uh, and they're a two-and-a-half-point favorite at Penn State. There you go. So – Two road games for Ohio State. Like we can so kind of use Vegas comparative. So Vegas would have Penn State by about five over the Ducks. Now that also implies that Oregon would be about an eight-point dog in Happy Valley, and with those two defenses, give me Oregon in the eight points against Penn State. Uh, I'm not sure. laying eight points wide out or not uh, in Happy Valley. All right. If Ohio State replaces, I agree with that. If Ohio State replaces Alabama, would they win the SEC? I mean, so first yes. of all, that assumes Alabama is going to win the SEC, which I guess is not a given. But I think, I think you could make a case that Ohio State is better than Alabama this year to begin with. So this one's this one is like, yeah, I think those two programs are on pretty equal footing. Replace either with the other, and whatever you thought the results were going to be, probably you can stick with that prediction. Not only that, but like, what's the one game for Alabama that you have kind of some trepidation about? Uh, Georgia. And the, the, your, your, your nervousness there probably comes because you don't know if Bama's offense is going to be like super elite by that week, right? Like we don't know, is, is it going to be Mac Jones? Is it going to be Bryce Young? But man, we know who's the quarterback for Ohio State. Like you, you, get, you, you put Justin Fields in that squad in Tuscaloosa? And you say, hey, hey, Georgia, we like Jamie Newman. We like the offensive coordinator, Munkin. Are you guys really up to snuff in week three? 
Like, like are, are you all ready for that? Because I, I think Ohio State would be favored over Georgia by more than Alabama would be favored over Georgia, especially in that time of the year. Yeah, that's probably fair. All right, here's the big one. Texas replaces Clemson in the ACC. Would they win it? I got my hunch. Let's see. Let's 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 put your 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 big analytical brain to this one. Do you do you trust Tom Herman to get this done? Because like if <laughs> going into last year, this wouldn't even have been a question, right? He wouldn't ask this, you know, because everybody was loving Texas last year. I think they might be the favorite, man. They be might honest. be the fa- I think that they might be the favorite, but I'm not. I don't think that they would win. Like I don't like I. The ACC, if not for Clemson, is is such a like stupid conference. Like so many weird things can happen, and anyone can beat anyone. What they have seven wins, seven seven coastal champs in seven years. Yeah. Like that's not, I don't think that that's an environment where Texas is going to be. Like if, if there's one thing about Texas, they're not like the the steadying force. They're not some team you can trust week in and week out like that that consistency is not gonna trump the rest of the conference like I think that this is the like ACC is pretty scrappy but I, I'm not some AC I'm not like some ACC homer that believes the ACC is like underrated but they are scrappy like there are there's a bunch of teams you don't like to play there's a bunch of teams that are gonna out tough you there's a bunch of teams that, are, that that like you know have fun playing wake have fun playing right. for Virginia you know, get, like, good luck with the pit defense. I mean, there's just, there's, I think that they would be the favorite to win. I think you're probably right. I don't know that I would trust them to win it. So, if by you the had- way, like, my, again, we, we keep on, you know, kind of glossing over the ACC and like the idea, like, Miami could be actually really good this year. So, if you had to pick one team in that scenario, you would pick Texas, but you would not take would Texas take the over field. the field. I yeah. would, right. I would take the field. Yes. I would too, and I think in that scenario, like, do you think that we would have a five and three ACC champion as far as conference record? Because I, I kind of do. Probably, yeah. yeah. That would that would be interesting. Um, that, I'd also like to see Texas play in a league that is probably the most defensive forward league, right? Like, like think think about the teams in this conference. You know, VTech is still very much better defense than offense. Miami is a much better defense than its offense. Florida State, better defense uh, than its offense. Pitt, Virginia, you know, ditto, ditto. Louisville's defense last year was horrendous, but their offense was was pretty solid. UNC, you know, really bad defense, but it was year one under Bateman, so you know they they and they improved some down the stretch. I, like I want to see Texas operate in a league that that is really playing more games in, in the 20s and 30s than it is in, in the 50s like the Big 12. That, that would be fascinating just from a stylistic approach. Yeah. Like, what would be – all right, so for Texas, they, they, you're going to give them a sort of a gimme. They can pick their conference this year, which is the conference they would pick that is most beneficial for them to win the conference. And we're assuming they get to replace the top team in the league? Like the question asks? Uh, sure. Okay. Yeah. Because okay. I, I think that matters, right? Yeah, you're like right. If, yeah. if you don't, then you're not going to pick the ACC because you at some point you got to face the final boss, which is Clemson. Uh, yeah. and, and so it doesn't really matter. Uh, I, I think if you get to replace the top team, it's pretty clearly the ACC. If you don't get to replace the top team, I, I think the answer is really obviously the Pac-12. Because I don't know that we have a top 10 caliber team in the Pac-12 this year. Yeah, I still almost feel like Texas. I don't know. I don't know. There's something about the Pac-12 that makes me think it's a little more ripe for the pickings if Texas could get in there and hey, even replace, pick your pick who you want to take out. You know, take out Oregon if that's who you're scared of. And there's there's just like something in me that be, it feels like that's that's just a little bit less of a of a grind uh, in terms of the teams that could just catch you slipping. Uh, than the ACC, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but I, I I think that the ACC's got a little more scrap to it. And in some ways, like that's sort of what the Big 12 has been. I don't think the Big 12 is a great conference, but other than Kansas, anyone in the Big 12 can beat you. Um, and that's 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 been a bugaboo for Texas too. I I agree with that. 
All right, so let's go ahead and go to uh, DQ in Iowa. And uh, he says, hey, guys, mailbag. That's what this is. Welcome to the show, DQ. Uh, it is looking more and more likely that not all teams will play 12 games. Uh, if so, what is the minimum number of games uh, for a team to make the playoffs over a conference champ? For instance, would an 11-0, would an 11-0 Notre Dame uh, go over a one-loss Oklahoma State for the fourth slot? Uh, but what if Notre Dame is 10-0? and or 9-1 Auburn that lost to Bama in the regular season, but is clearly better than a Pac-12 champ. This, this is, is creative, man. <laughs> this is going to be, yeah, first of all, this could all very well could happen. I think a 6-0 Notre Dame could go to the playoffs if two of those wins are against Wisconsin and Clemson. Um, I, I, I think it's going to be, I mean, we don't know what this is going to look like. No one does. It's hard to even guess, but I do think it's starting to look like assuming the season is played in the fall and starts on time, relatively close to on time that I think you will see some teams that have games canceled, rescheduled. Um, there's going to be teams that play maybe their nine conference games and that's it. Uh, maybe they play one, one non-con, you know, I, I don't know. Or may, maybe they play all their, all 12 of their games only if all 12 of their games are, within driving distance, like it's, it's going to be pretty bizarre and, and hard to wrap our head around. Like it's uns, like it, it's, it's going to be a weird deal. So if we assume that, like, a, first of all, to some degree, this uh, idea that I guess all it's, the national championship has always been subjective. The college football playoffs has always been subjective. Like you can, you can nail down whatever analytics you want to it. You can try to act like you're, you know, you're studying the numbers, uh, but ultimately it's, it always comes down to just who the committee thinks is the best teams. And so I think if like it's, there's going to be preseason bias, there's going to be, you know, preseason rankings could matter a lot. Um, but to answer the specific questions, yeah, an 11 and 0 Notre Dame, if they beat Clemson and, and, and Wisconsin within that 11 and 0, they're in, uh, would be very hard for me to imagine uh, a team that, I mean, unless, unless there's a, another conference champ that's undefeated, um, I think I think Notre Dame would be in. Um, I think you could see, like, if if Oklahoma, let's just say Oklahoma State um, goes nine and zero, wins all their conference games, doesn't get any any non conference games, you know, they they probably they probably get in, even if, say, um, you know, Ohio State slips up to Penn State along the way, wins a, wins a conference championship, it has 12 wins to Oklahoma State's nine. <clears throat> I think the zero would, would maybe trump them. I don't know. Like, I think I, – I, I don't think there's a, there's a magic number as much as it's just going to be whatever your resume is. I think that's fair, man. But here's a phrase I think we will hear a lot in the fall if we end up having you know football in the fall. Out of an abundance of caution, and then also through no fault of their own, right? Like the committee is not going to sit there and, and penalize teams who only got to play eight games because their governor, right, said no, we're not going to have football uh, in, in September, while other conferences did start in September. So I do think this is going to become really a uh, – you ever play golf? We've talked about this a little before, right? Like this is not going to be a total score resume type thing. We're going to look at this like a skins game, okay? What Like what outstanding wins did you have? I think that's really going to be the metric. And not that it hasn't been before, but I do think that above and beyond this year, like your most impressive wins, that the wins in which you show – like your peak ability, not that we'll ignore losses, but like, I don't think the teams we will call them like the, the accumulators just because you actually managed to play 12 games and you did go 12 and 0. I, I don't think that's going to carry as much weight uh, as it normally would uh, because not everybody gets to play a 12 game season. I think we're, we're going to look at your wins against the best possible competition uh, and your level of dominance against the schedule that, that you were allowed to play. You know, Clemson, Notre Dame is, is going to matter. Clemson's probably going to need to smash the other teams in its league. But I, I agree with you. Like, I could see 11-0 Notre Dame over a one-loss conference champ Oklahoma State this year easily. 
those premier matchups, whether they're in conference or out of conference, they, they always mean a ton, but they're going to mean more than ever when those are going to be ultimately sort of the, the round robin of uh, that defines, decides the playoffs because I, I don't, I, I think there's a real scenario where every team doesn't have 12 wins. So it's going to, it's not going to be about what your, what your schedule looks like as a whole. It's going to be more about who have you beaten? Like who, what are the signature wins? Uh, and I, I think that that's, uh, that's going to be really interesting. It's, it's probably going to be how you beat teams too, what it looks like. Um, should be, should make for some good debate. No doubt, man. No doubt. Uh, all right. Nathan Werber. Hey, I'm a normal cover three listener, but while driving DoorDash, what's up? Thanks for the DoorDash. I need all the college ball content I can get. Here's my question. As a big recruiting fan, I'm sometimes puzzled that certain teams can't attract more four stars or quality players, especially when they have great player development or an iconic coach. What are some of the teams who you think should be recruiting at a higher level than they currently do, even if it's just at one position? What are some of the reasons top recruits don't go to these schools? What school do you think Nelson Werber is talking about? Like, stop talking in code, Nelson. Who are you, who are you concerned about, man? Yeah, Nelson. Uh, and he's a Clemson student. Okay. So, so what position is he? What position is he down on Clemson's recruiting for? I, I mean, <laughs> it used to be offensive line for sure. Right, like, like for a long time. Yeah, it has Clemson, been better. Uh, yeah, they've been better recruiting up front the last couple of cycles. I mean, who have they lost? I, they, I know they were pretty salty when when uh, when Auburn beat them for was it? It wasn't Derek Brown. It was uh, who was the like 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 the thicker bodied kid Auburn got like the year before, uh, and they were really pissed about that. One. Uh, defensive tackle from Georgia, uh, Mon Montrevious uh, Adams, maybe. Yeah, that sound I, right, Mon Montrevious Adams out of, but M Montezuma maybe. Georgia? I, I don't know. Long time ago. Uh, or maybe, I mean, hey, Clemson, maybe he's talking about, we, we should probably not try to just figure, like, this isn't a psychology test from Nelson, trying to figure out where he's, what he's, he's coming from. I mean, Clemson certainly is, like, not, they, they, they continue to sort of hang out just right outside the, the top five in a lot of years. So maybe it's Clemson he's talking about. But either way, uh, I mean, yeah, Florida, un, like most recently, like, I don't know, they could be, we talked about them a little bit at the top. Um, that could be, you know, maybe one. That's That might be the one he's hinting at. You, you, like, that's like, kind of the obvious one. Who, who uh, anyone else come to mind here? I mean, who's producing at a high level? You know, the, you know, maybe the, like the Michigan States of the world, like five years ago. Um, yeah, like, like a Michigan State, a TCU out west, TCU. Utah. You know, TCU, like, TCU maybe like that. That's probably a good one um, in terms of a program that just can't seem to to just bash the door in on the recruiting trail, but every year continues to just sniff around the first round with the guys that they do get. Um, and Gary Oklahoma. Patterson is even he's even sort of talked about how he's frustrated that they don't get the kind of respect particularly in state from recruits that he thinks that they deserve uh oklahoma state their, their ad actually brought it up publicly remember a couple yep. years ago he, he wasn't happy with with where they were in the recruiting rankings um that that would that would make sense to me like ucla doesn't have the uh the on-field wins under chip kelly but like for two years back at my previous employer i like i like tracked what they were doing recruiting and it was just scarily bad i was like uh, they they know like knock knock like the recruiting season has started guys like wake up call this is this is kind of bad um that's a good question are, are you a are you a DoorDash guy by the way uh well my wife is a bit of a germaphobe and so she is very nervous about receiving anything that she isn't like hasn't like tracked from you know the beginning of the the food making process to the end and so uh she's a little bit hesitant on deliveries. So I personally am a DoorDash guy, Uber Eats guy, whatever I can get. Um, but, but no, I don't, I don't get that luxury very often. But when you're on the road, that's, that's going on the expense report. You're, yeah. you're not leaving the hotel. It's just, yeah. No. Yeah. Well, yeah. Unless there's a game on or something, I want to get, you know, saddle up to a bar somewhere. Fair. Uh, so last night, 
my wife was over at her mom's house. They, they live pretty close to us. And uh, her mom didn't, hadn't gone grocery shopping because they're, they're taking off for the beach uh, this week. And, you know, she didn't really have anything to eat at the house. And uh, my mother-in-law was hungry. And she's like, like, I don't know, should we go get something? And my wife was like, just mom, just, just Uber eats it. And she's like, oh, I've, I've never done that. Uh, she's like, oh, okay. So like she showed her how to do it and got the food or whatever. And uh, food's on the way. And my wife says, hey, whatever the driver, I think Jason or whatever the driver's name will we'll be here in a minute. And then Maggie, my wife, you know, said, Hey, like my mom was kind of quiet for a while. And she goes, do you, do you know, Jason? <laughs> like she didn't realize that, that like the, the app said the driver's name, <laughs> the, the, the door, the, uh, the Uber eats is just basically all your friends. Like who's out picking food right. up, bring, drop some off over here too. <laughs> So, yeah, that was that's the new business. Oh man, quarantine humor, dude, for sure. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, Snick Tab uh, says every August, uh, me and nine friends have a college football draft. Uh, the rules are every person drafts one team from each Power Five conference and one team outside the Power Five. You receive one point per win, two points for a bowl win, three points for a conference title, and four points for a national title. Uh, I'm curious if you guys would have a strategy, rule change suggestions, uh, or would you even consider holding such a contest between you? Uh, P.S. For those or for us, the Big 12 teams tend to go quicker, uh, so as to not get stuck with Kansas. How many people is he? He had nine friends. Oh yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, we. I, I've done something similar here. I think it's a really fun exercise. Um, my strategy is as it is in most cases in most things is I look for upside and I I guess I shouldn't we, we should do this we're we gonna do this but and so I, I really probably shouldn't you know reveal my my, my strategy just yet um, but I, I'm on board with it this is a fun this is a fun exercise and it gives you something else to to to, to keep your attention through the season any kind of wagering uh, I think you and I both are on board with any any so, excuse to, to, to throw a little little money out there those of y'all are not uh watching us on youtube barton just totally in, in the midst of saying he's not gonna give away his strategy which is obviously smart uh he turned around fully just i think to, to show off the incredible quarantine flow he's got going on like I, I don't know why he's just spinning around in his chair but that that's that that's some pretty good smack talk right there man i, I that was solid uh it's getting there it's getting there are, can, can you tuck it into the collar yet not yet but we're you know we got we got a baby coming in a week and a half so I still have, I still have a, at least 10 more days where I'm not allowed to get it cut. And so this thing might get to just, just single days level lettuce out of, out of, uh, out of Barton here. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm letting it go. I mean, also that kind of probably two month period post newborn. I don't even think you get noticed at all by your significant other. You, you could like dye your hair blue and she might not notice for a couple of weeks, dude. Like you can well, do whatever the hell you want with it totally during that period well she doesn't she actually doesn't care about my uh like my my professional career I, I probably means i should trim it up she is actually a fan of the of the flow so nice uh she's she is not fighting me on it at all beautiful so with rule change suggestions i i, I do think we have one here right one point per win i i, I don't know that you should get an additional point for a bowl win to me, there's a little bit less skill in picking the team that's going to actually win the bowl because, like, sometimes the worst team actually draws a more favorable bowl matchup because the, of who its you know conference affiliation is with. So, I, yeah, I, I would probably adjust it uh, just down to a single point for a bowl win. I would just include that in the total. Like, you know, you get one point per win. Period. If you win a conference title. Cool. You, you get an extra like bonus point or two for three points. I think that's fine. Four points for a national title is you know obviously cool. Uh, and maybe I would make like a playoff win worth the same thing as a national title. But I don't really. I'm not really into the whole like let's let's give uh, two two points for a bowl win. Like that's not a really more meaningful game than most other games. So I'm trying to remember. Um, I did this with. Um, CBS, the CBS college football writers last year. 
Uh, I came in second. It was it was something similar. You know, it was definitely you get bonus points for playoffs, bonus points for a championship game and uh, or a, a conference championship, and maybe even some sort of good bonus points for being in a conference championship. I can't remember. And then you get. Um, I do think you would get points for a win, but I don't think you got a points for a bowl win, right? So uh, you're on there. My my team last year preseason was. Utah, Iowa State, Virginia, Minnesota, Baylor, UCLA. Uh, so that How did was, that yeah, not win? UCLA just killed you? Because, no, the winner – I was winning the whole year. I was winning the whole year, but the winner was Tom Fernelli, and he had Oklahoma and LSU, and getting both of them in the playoffs, including the national champion, was, uh, was big because I didn't get any playoff teams. So he, he – he got past me at the very end of the year. So my thought on this is if, if you want to just do a two-person deal on this, let's do a thing where we have, like, we'll do a, a snake-style thing. We have to pick five teams per conference. That's, see, I'm, yeah. Like, that could be a whole episode. Like, if you guys like this idea, hit us up on Twitter. Um, otherwise, like, I don't really know how we do this unless we just organize, like, a huge Zoom call. Of, of all the writers uh, with with twenty four seven and put that on YouTube or something like that, uh, which is possible. You know, we 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 could do that in an afternoon or something. Yeah, we'll yeah. we'll workshop that a little bit for sure. It out. All right, you want to take a little ad break, and we'll come back on the other side and uh, answer a few more questions. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, welcome back. Now we got Chris KY91. Um, how much does a school's brand, athletic outfitters, Nike, Adidas, Under Armour, factor into recruitment, program building, and overall success since college football players started? Only one non-Nike school. Notre Dame Under Armour has made the cut. It's been nearly a decade since a non-Nike school won a national title. Under Armour at, with Auburn. Did Michigan and Tennessee boost from switching Adidas to Nike? And, and conversely, did Miami Washington take a hit going to Adidas from Nike? Nike does sponsor a large majority of top programs in college athletics, so maybe it's a chicken-egg scenario. Why does it seem these other brands, specifically Adidas, do not seem as interested in merchandising gear for their schools? In my opinion, getting a stronger foothold in college athletics would boost and strengthen these brands in this country. Could you see any of these re-emerging brands like New Balance or Puma try and get into the game? There's a lot of questions here. It's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot to chew on. Um, okay. so. Couple things. Number one, uh, Auburn won the national title, I believe, in 2010, not 2011. So I do want to point that out. Uh, got my editor brain going here. I'm like, uh, pretty sure that was that was 2010. Uh, did so. The first actual question he asks: uh, How much does the brand factor into their overall success? I would say, kind of minimally, as long as you're at a normal, like as long as you have one of the big one of the big three, right? Um, or maybe now one of the big two with Under Armour looking to pull out of a lot of these these deals over the last couple of weeks. Now, if you're Georgia Tech and you have Russell Athletic and you actively get made fun of for having Russell Athletic up until like three or four years ago, that could maybe affect you. But other than that, like how many times do you know of a kid picking a school in football? Right, this This does happen in basketball, obviously, and we've seen some of the FBI stuff with this, but how many times have you heard of a kid picking a school because it's a Nike school or a Jordan school or an Adidas school in, in the sport of football? I, I don't think it happens much, man. No, it doesn't happen at all. It's, I mean, it's a nice little, uh, Oh, and by the way, like it, at, um, when I, when I uh, committed to Yale, I, cho- I chose Yale and they were the only school that was promising me I could have my number, number three. I did not pick Yale because I could have number three, but I, I, it was, it sure did feel good. It sure was nice to to get number three, and so I think that's the same. Like no no kid is picking a school because of their the the who they're affiliated with. But you know if they got a if they they're a big jump man guy, then they'll they'll certainly 
you know, that that's, that's a nice bonus. That's all it is really. And, and, and I think to your point, like basketball, like it's a huge part of it. Yeah. Like it's, it absolutely drives where these kids go football. <clears throat> I, I don't, I don't see it having any real impact. Um, <clears throat> though, I mean, th- look, there are some relationships um, in, in the sort of grassroots uh, football marketing world that seem to extend beyond sort of the high school and seven on seven world into college, into the NFL. Uh, and, and some of those are, you know, se- seem to actually resonate with, with kids, but I still don't think that that ultimately alters where they actually commit and where they go to school. It could potentially change with name, image, and likeness, maybe. But I, I still don't think the apparel companies want to get into that into that game that early necessarily in the sport of football because it is such a long term projection. You know, you, you don't really see these baseball guys like out of high school signing these massive contracts when they go play for the minor leagues, knowing they won't be in the bigs until four or five years, you know, from now. He also asks, uh, did Michigan and Tennessee see a boost? from switching from Adidas to Nike, and conversely, did Miami and Washington take a hit uh, going to Adidas from Nike? I, I I don't think so. Like, not huge. Michigan obviously played up the jump man thing a ton. I know Tennessee was very happy to go to Nike, but would you attribute any amount of their success, like any tangible amount to that? No. Oh, neither. No. I, I'd be interested. Like, this is – I'd be interested in what a um, – I don't know, an athletic director would have to say, maybe a head coach. I don't even know if the head coach can look at, like it has the macro perspective to, to, to let us know like what, like what is there, there clearly is some level of, of impact. I mean, there's, there's the, the contracts, the financial benefit, but like um, I, I would be curious and I'm not saying there isn't one. I, I would just be curious where the, the impact is felt when a, when a, when you switch from one deal to another, um, that's that's a conversation I, I'd, I'd I'd be interested in digging on. I would agree. Uh, so he suggested that maybe Nike sponsoring so many schools is actually the real reason why it seems that more schools, you know, with Nike, uh, I think, win the ch- I think it is a chicken and egg deal. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and then he also this question I I, I kind of want to just reject the premise of one of his final ones. He says, "Why does it seem?" Uh, these other brands, specifically Adidas, uh, are not as interested in merchandising uh, gear for their schools. Uh, we know some of the Adidas guys, and they are definitely interested in, in doing so. Nike has just been in the game longer. Adidas was for a long time seen as a soccer brand, you know? And, like, Nike's been spot- sponsored some of these schools since, like, the, the 80s. Yeah. You know? I, I, stuff takes time. Pe- people like their gear. Yeah. Yeah, I think Adidas is actually, and again, I think that the grassroots stuff for Adidas is is a is very clearly a huge initiative, and much more so than than Nike. Um, be, and so I think that's how Adidas is trying to crack in. Like they can't just go and outbid Nike for all these schools, so they're trying to they're trying to get in from the ground floor a little bit more and and a uh, little little more guerrilla warfare here. Um, but it, it, they're they're definitely invested for sure. Final question he has: uh, Could you see any of these re- these reemerging brands like New Balance or Puma try to get into the game? As a dad, like I am all about getting some <laughs> getting some New Balance. Sorry, I, I can't say with a straight face. I, <laughs> uh, hey, can, can you imagine? Like, okay, this is kind of in that Russell Athletic caliber. Like, uh, not that not that New Balance and, and Puma make Russell Athletic quality stuff. They, I think they're probably higher quality than that, but. Do you know any kids who wear New Balance? Yeah, New Balance is kind of like I feel like it's sort of like a counter counterculture okay. sort of like uh, I, I don't know, I don't know. But yes, do you, do you I feel like the New Balance. I feel like there's like a, I feel like there's like a, a, a like started like sarcastic, which turned like hipster, which is like like I think there's sort of a um, at this point like we're through the looking glass a little bit on okay. New Balance, and uh, there's there is like a there's there's a sect of like new balances cool people that are young but hell i don't know i mean shoot hold on just a second my my uh, my dog's freaking out 
All right, we're back. All right. So for YouTubers, uh, this is Belle. Uh, Maggie's had her since college, and she got her uh, around Katrina, so that makes her like 14 or 15 years old, and she is not learned to deal with thunderstorms. So we'll do the final two questions with uh, <laughs> with Belle on the podcast. I don't know if you can see her much. Like, uh, but she is Dr. Evil uh, or something there. Yeah. Uh, she, yeah, she's a she's a street dog, man. Um, all right. So, uh, Tony, have fun editing out these, uh, these sounds here. So Nick D says, uh, can you discuss the IMG Academy? Uh, how do kids get scholarships there? Do the kids that play there end up signing with IMG agents uh, after they are drafted? Why do only a handful of schools sign IMG kids? How has Florida, the closest P5 school to IMG's campus, never signed a kid from IMG? So a lot of questions here from Nick D about the IMG Academy. I feel like this this is uh, this is up your alley, bud. This is your backyard, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, IMG was created, what were they created? Like 2011, 2012, probably? I'm trying to think what year. Because uh, DeAndre Francois was was one of their first quarterbacks there. So I think they, they were around like 2011 from a football standpoint. Uh, the school emerged uh, as a tennis academy, actually, with, with the uh, the Bolletary Tennis Academy, Nick Bolletary. They, they've had a lot of pros. Uh, in the tennis world, come out of there, and they expanded to golf, hoops, uh, they have, you know, baseball team, uh, like a post grad baseball team as well. Uh, and they are IMG, of course, is International Management Group, which is agents and reps and whatnot. Uh, so clearly, there's a little bit of a long game here. If if, if you're paying attention at home, um, the school's very expensive, but yeah, th- there there are kids who get scholarships to go there. Um, the training is. Not gonna lie, it's it's pretty elite. Like I've, I've been to their practices, it 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 really is run like a college program. Like you have assigned study hall times, assigned lifting times. It's a boarding school. The kids live on campus, uh, and they they like they make no bones about it. Like they go out. Not that you can't inquire about going there, but they do go out and and, and recruit kids to come there, and that they want to have the best high school team in the country, and and have the best you know collection of prospects in the country, and and for the most part. Like the vast majority of schools in the country would take IMG senior class as their recruiting class every year, right? Like most colleges would. Uh, how do you get scholarships to go there? You got to be really good. And I think you probably need to qualify for some uh, financial aid. Uh, why do only a handful of schools sign IMG kids? I, I actually think that's that's a misnomer. Um, most likely there's some selection bias here from, from the guy asking the question uh, because he's focusing on you know, who the best players are who come out of IMG, but like Illinois signs kids out, out of IMG, Syracuse signs kids out of IMG, Washington state, like they, they all sign kids out of IMG. Uh, now the best players are going to go to the very best schools out there, but that's really the case with the best players anywhere. Right. Um, and then the final part of this is, you know, or, Oh, sorry. He asked, do the kids that, that play there end up signing with IMG agents after they're drafted? Well, uh, <laughs> they're, they're not contractually obligated to do so from what I understand, but uh, they're probably also not dissuaded from doing so. And IMG would love if you come back after your college career and do your pre-draft uh, training and preparation on their beautiful campus uh, and, and work out with their trainers and their, uh, their guys who will get you ready for the pros. So, the, I mean, clearly, look, if you're following along at home, that's kind of the long game of this, right? They want you to sign with their group if you end up being a superstar because you had a pre-existing relationship with them throughout your high school career and you really enjoyed how they do things, how they treat people and how, you know, how, how nice their facilities and, and, and their group is. Um, as far as the Florida portion of this, like how is UF never signed an IMG kid? Well, what you have to remember is that IMG pretty specifically does not try to recruit guys from Florida. Uh, they, especially not the surrounding area, of you know Bradenton, Tampa, whatnot. They won't turn them down if you come to them, but like in order to not just have a complete mutiny among the high school coaches in the state of Florida, they're very much not into recruiting guys from the state of Florida. And they really try to actively avoid it. And so, you know, my research shows that the kids who come to IMG from out of region, you know, like especially out of state, but especially guys out of region, uh, they are overwhelmingly likely to return to their home region. Now, J.C. Latham going to Alabama this year, he's a kid from Minnesota or Wisconsin. Like, that, that's an exception to that. But for the most part, 
like your kids from Georgia who go to IMG are going to go back to another Southern school. You know, your, your kids from Pennsylvania who go to IMG, like, uh, who was a D tackle Ohio state signed out of there. Uh, his, his dad was uh, Troy Vincent. Vincent. Yeah. You know, like he went to Ohio state, like he, he didn't really consider the, the in-state schools, uh, in Florida, despite the fact that he played his high school ball there. Isaac so, Nato was committed to Florida State, went to IMG Academy, and realized he wanted to go back home at, yep. at home state school. Exactly. And it's something I've, I've tracked for a while because it, initially the narrative was having IMG Academy in the state of Florida is going to be a huge recruiting boost for the schools in the state of Florida. But, but it really has not worked out that way. And I think the reason is because IMG, like they actively do try to not recruit kids from Florida. So I, I hope that kind of answers that, that question for him. All right. We're doing one more. We can do one more, uh, or well, we, we can take two more. Bell's kind of, kind of calmed down a little bit. All right. Uh, shop, shop guy, ship guy. Love the t- ship guy 13. Love the content guys. You both have briefly talked about certain coaches and programs who have whiffed so far in dealing with social justice issues. Those are coaches, obviously <clears throat> to grab the headlines for the mistakes, but what coaches are having the opposite effect. One coach who has more than once talked openly about these issues is James Franklin. Your thoughts on what it means to have a coach like that in your corner from a player's and recruiting perspective. Um, I think James Franklin's good at this stuff. You remember the, um, the kid, I think it was Jonathan Sunderland maybe, who had uh, a, got a letter from a fan about cutting his dreadlocks off and you know being uh, more clean cut. And it was you know, it's sort of this innately racist letter and not that it was overtly racist because the guy probably didn't think he was racist, but the, the implications were. And so James Franklin, instead of that being like a bad look on the program, he got in front of it or or on the fan base, rather, he got in front of it and just really like kind of went to, went to bat defending the character of his player, defending uh, the, you know, their right to express themselves and, and, you know, whatever, however they want to in terms of their appearance and, and things like that. And so it was an opportunity. It was a, it was bad PR that he turned into good PR. And so I think that in, in terms of being supporting of his team. So I, I think that is a great example from in the most recent just movement that we're experiencing. Uh, you know, the, the, the coaches, whether like Eli Drinkwitz was one of the first ones that I noticed that instead of just posting some sort of kind of vague, uh, statement condemning racism. He actually got his team out to and 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 registered the entire team to vote. Um, you know, there's nothing there's nothing political about that. You're just empowering your players to be engaged in the in the process. Uh, and to me, like that was a really strong play um, by him. You know, uh, I, I think that something similar happened with Jeff Collins at Georgia Tech. Uh, I know Will Muschamp did something similar uh, later on at South Carolina, so uh, there, there's there's definitely been some some programs and coaches, and, and it's, it's hard. Like it's hard to figure out what's the best way to not just be, uh, you know, just this this adding to this easy chorus of like, yeah, we support, you know, we, we condemn racism. Like, how do you? What do you actually do? Like, how do you actually? Um, show support for your players how do you take action in, in in meaningful ways and you know a couple guys found ways to do it which i thought was uh was were strong and and uh and and i think reflect well on the program i, I think that's a great answer especially because the majority of your players are, are, are going to be guys who are, are like very you know acutely faced with with this issue right like like majority of your players are, are african-american kids um Two more I would point out who kind of took an active, uh, an active stance on this. Or actually, I'll, I'll, I'll go three because if I don't mention the other one, I'm going to get some blowback from either fan base. Uh, but first, uh, I, I thought the video that that Alabama put out, which you know was was authored by Alex Leatherwood, but I mean you have to you have to know that Nick Saban signed off on that. that like that, that's something that, that's probably going to get some blowback from some of their fans in in, in a Southern state, and I. I genuinely think Saban cares about his guys and, and their, their lives post football, you know, quite a bit. Um, the other two I'd point to are our guys, Lincoln Riley and, and Tom Herman, but both came out there and, and put out statements and 
you know, had their dude had their teams engage in activism that was more than just uh, like, hey, racism is bad, right? Like with the Nike check on there, like they, they actually put some thought into their statements and, and they actually went forward uh, and, and and did some things. So yeah, I, I thought those I thought, guys. I thought Tom Herman was like he his the statements, you know his his uh, statements to the media were very much on the. I don't care who I offend. Yeah. I'm on the side of my players. Like these are, these are the reasons that I'm on the side of my players. You need to get on our team. Um, and that's, you know, it's, it's easy to go, you know, very PC and safe and, uh, and, and not make that sort of a stand. And so I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll tip, tip the cap to, to both those guys really. And all those guys, uh, for, for being very overtly, uh, pro player on that front. And I really kind of maintain my stance that I don't think not being woke is going to doom you as a, a coach if you're an existing coach who's had a lot of yeah. success. Yeah. Uh, that, that's not saying like the, not being woke does not equal like, you know, player abuse, obviously. Uh, but I do think kind of going forward, like new hires, younger coaches who are not established in, in, in their ways, I, I, I think that I think recruits are probably going to consider that that those type of elements more than ever. And so I think we will kind of continue to see the trend of of younger coaches being more uh, kind of in tune with some of the issues that face the players uh, than they were, you know, maybe five or 10 years ago. All right. Let's save. We got, we got one more question we're thinking of doing here. Let's save this transfer question for another episode. Uh, And let's call it for now. We got we, we, the mailbags like locked and loaded. We can keep rolling mailbags for for multiple episodes at a time, but keep them coming. We're tr- we're we're loving all the questions. It's given us stuff to talk about as the season approaches. We'll start shifting into to preview mode, but uh, for now, uh, this has been fun to get to your mailbag questions. Um, so we we appreciate them. We appreciate the reviews. Keep them coming, but. Uh, do this again uh next week good man all right